0: This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19.
1: The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first take a listen to this other fine Opie show. What do you get
0: when you hear a, a celebrity minutiaman interview, Dave? You will get Mark Cuban and Anthony Scaramucci, Cousin Oliver from The Brady Bunch, and the Bully from The Christmas Story. Yes. The voice of Siri and She Shed Cheryl. My God, it list goes on. So you'll get minutia, celebrity minutiae interview a tony lazano podcast go to opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts
1: just search for radio misfits the following is a tony lazano podcast and opi show on the radio misfits podcast network this is the car guys report informed automotive Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you with us. I'm Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable, and you're listening to the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. And, Lou, I just wanted to jump in very briefly at the top of this episode. We uh, were talking about uh, that 641-mile 1994 C4 Corvette that was for sale, and you had mentioned something about 100,000-mile tune-ups, and uh, I dug out uh, during the intermission here. I went back to the Car Guys Report uh, warehouse, and dug out the uh, owner's manual from my 1992 Corvette C4. And we're just, you and I were kind of going back and forth saying, well, what, what exactly does a 100,000-mile tune-up mean? And I think for most people that would mean, used to mean spark plugs and things like that. So it does say here in the um, owner's manual for the 90, 1992 C4, it says spark plug replacement with the LT1 engine, which is the one that I have, every 100,000 miles. So that was the 92. The other stuff like accessory drive belt, But, but stay
2: with me. What does okay. it say about the other engine?
1: Oh, LT5 it says, which was I believe that would be the engine that that would be the the ZL, uh, ZR1 engine, wouldn't it? Yeah, every 30,000 miles. Yeah. But the LT1 was obviously the the production engine, the the, you know, volume engine, 100,000 miles for spark plugs. Uh, accessory uh, what's,
2: engine. What's the oil change?
1: Uh, oil change is uh, every. 3,000? Uh, yeah, point. something like that. Because it's, it's, I think
2: it was 2005 that changes. Every
1: 3,000 it says, or, <laughs> this is crazy, it says every 3,000 miles or three months. Now that's changed a lot.
2: That would be a lot of change. Yeah. Um, I think the rule of thumb now is if it's a 2005, I think anything 2005 or newer is 7,500. For what, for what e- kind everything. of thing?
1: Um, my 911, my uh, 2011 911, and my 2013 Mercedes E Class Coupe are once a year or every 10,000 miles for oil and okay. filter. Yeah, yeah but and I that's think that's pretty standard else is pretty these pretty days. It's once a year. Or, or once a year. I mean, I, I, I go obviously because I don't drive that much, I go by the once a year yeah. um, interval. And I've even seen some other – a friend of mine was telling me, he was saying in Europe that uh, their service intervals on cars are way longer than ours. Like, you know, instead of 10,000-mile oil changes, you'll have 20,000-mile oil changes because it's, you know, environmentally more friendly. And, and cars are so good these days that, you know
3: hmm. –
1: Maybe you don't need to change your oil even every ten thousand miles, but that was okay, so secondhand. Th- our, our that was from our listener Paul, one of our one of our um, our loyal listeners. So if you uh, want to agree or disagree with what I just said, <laughs> let us know. But well, how did they get a hold of us, Mark? Uh, oh, Car Guys Report at Hotmail dot com. Of course, Lou. I so, would be remiss if I didn't uh,
2: say that. So. So, okay. So, first of all, congratulations, because I thought 99 was the first 100,000-mile, let's call it, spark plug tune-up. And I'm just trying to think. I think it was 82 that fuel injection really was starting to take root, so that got rid of distributors and... Um, well, and, the car still had no. And,
1: well, carburetors, but not distributors. Coil on plug ignition started coming out uh, mainstream. I remember my 92 Saab 9000 had coil on plug ignition, so that had no distributor. My 92 VET mm-hmm. is fuel injected, but it still has a, a standard distributor with spark plug wires. Um, but now everything. But does
2: it have a rotor?
1: Yeah. It's still got an actual distributor with with spark plug wires and a cap, but um, all the new stuff since probably the mid-2000s is all coil-on-plug ignition, so there's no distributors, no spark plug wires, nothing, and you do have to replace coils every now and then. I do it as a preventive measure uh, on most of my cars, but most people just drive them until the car starts to not run properly, and then usually... They, you should probably replace all four or six or eight or however many cylinders you have uh, for the
2: coils but so you do your oil changes by year
1: i do them once a year because i just don't drive i just don't roll on a ton yeah. of miles and I, and and the other thing too is you know all modern cars are pretty much running full synthetic oil too which mm-hmm. is just so superior to anything that you know i'm sure that i've never done any of the testing on it but i'm sure there's probably even out of one year mark there's probably still tons of life left in the oil because it just doesn't break down like it used to so Mm. uh and well that's it's probably the type of of schedule you follow on your viper though too right once a year for oil
2: vipers once a year once every two once every two years and the only reason i say once every two years is last year i drove it six times
1: oh yeah i've done that before too like even with the aston martin uh i I think i went a year and a half
2: because but uh, and it runs
1: in 10 11 12 quarts of oil too i mean you're not
2: talking yeah no it's a 12 quart. yeah and i
1: think that if you have that much oil sloshing around in your crankcase, it's not working as hard as, you know, a small engine that's revving really high running right. in four quarts of
2: oil. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, uh, this year will be the, the, as I like to call it, the opening of the season is usually an yeah. oil change. Run. Exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, I have two interesting, um, uh, you know, what's going on in our car world stories to uh, talk to you about a good friend of mine. Um, I was talking to him, uh, catching up with him uh, a couple days ago. I hadn't spoken with him for a couple of months. And he had purchased my old 1997 Saab Turbo. Uh, back about nine years ago when I bought my Infiniti. Uh, he bought my old 900, and he's been driving it since then. I own the car since 2005. I bought it used, obviously. And it was a a 97-900 nine, SE, which was the turbo, and it was the Talladega edition, which was cool because it had different wheels on it, and it had um, kind of a taupe leather interior with... Uh, a leather uh, on the door panel so it was, a, it was a neat car, and it was the last year too. That was the last year for the 900. Then they started calling them 93s after that. Uh, basically, the car was was pretty much the same, but they just changed the the naming structure. But it has finally met an unfortunate demise. He got rear-ended by uh, a young woman on the phone, and he said he got rear-ended at 35 miles an hour. Nobody wow. got. Nobody in my friend's car got hurt because he had his wife and his his young young son in the car. They were okay. He said the lady that hit him was driving in a Hyundai Accent, and she was taken away on a stretcher.
2: Wow. Yeah.
1: So I don't know exactly what happened to her. And he sent me he emailed me pictures of the uh, of the Saab and the the rear hatch area right behind the. Um, The rear fender well is just all bent in, actually bent down, you know, as part of the crumple effect and stuff. And with a 100 and I don't know how many miles that car had on it now, 180, 190,000 miles, the car is uh, 24 years old, almost 23 years old, obviously got totaled out. So it was unfortunate that. You know, a car that I used to own. Because usually, when you sell a car, unless you're selling it to a friend, you have no idea whatever happens to it. Right and here, I, I I got the final verdict on it. So it was unfortunate that um, that happened that way. But
2: well, to Saab's credit, the thing did the right thing. Oh, it did mean, yeah. Five mile an hour hits yeah, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good, yeah. good crash. Yeah,
1: and uh luckily, they nobody in in my friend's car w- was injured at all. So that's yeah. good. So um and he's a bummed out too because that was his kind of just his, yeah, his, his throw around car, his toy, well, yeah, not his sure. toy, but just his car that he uses for, uh, you know, errands and, you know, p- parks it outside and things like that. And it was still trunding along, but no more. And then this is interesting, Lou. I was, um, out in the, uh, in my nine eleven over the weekend and I had just pulled into my house. The garage was open and there's this uh, guy that, that cruises along kind of slows down in the street and he's driving a a bmw and he rolls his window down i'm like okay what's this all about and he goes hey how you doing i go hey what's up and he starts talking to me and he's just like a guy that lives not in not in my subdivision but uh, maybe a half a mile to a mile away and he he goes hey i got a 2009 911 and i saw you Pull in and yours, and he starts talking to me, and he's just like another car guy. His name was Andre, and he has a 2009 uh, 911 uh, Carrera 4S. So he's got the S, which is a little bit more performance-oriented. He showed me a picture of it on his phone. It's red metallic. It actually looked like a really nice car, but I think you'll like the car that he was driving. He was driving a uh, BMW M5 Mm. uh, sedan. So that's the four-door, five-series sedan. But the M-Series, and this is the one that had the V10 in it, which is a a neat car. It's naturally aspirated. I think it's like 500 or 550 horsepower. They didn't make them for too long. I think it was only a couple years. And he also had um, some of the Dynan aftermarket performance stuff on it, too, because Dynan is one of the aftermarket tuners that's been around forever for BMW. He had a carbon fiber lip spoiler. He had a Dynan rear end in it. Uh, it, The car was silver gray, 92,000 miles, and he just loved it. It. He had the biggest smile on his face when he's talking to me. And he goes, this car is great. And I was telling him about all the other cars I, I had. And, of course, I gave him one of our Car Guys Report uh, cards. And, and when I pulled it out and I said, I do a podcast, he goes, wow, you really are a car guy. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you, Andre. Hopefully you'll be listening from here on out. But it was nice meeting you and certainly enjoyed uh, uh, checking out your car because the V10s are pretty cool.
2: I would imagine, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you have a V10 in your, in your Viper. So. Yeah but i'm uh, pretty
2: pleased with that performance
1: yeah yeah it's a, it's a cool car so it was neat to, to to re uh to reach or uh meet another uh true
2: car guy just off the cuff like that you never know yeah. when, when somebody cruises up in front of your house what they're gonna say Well, so. it, I, i'm just dovetailing from our last car guy report which was uh people in german cars being yeah, a little there stuffy. you go yeah see <laughs> that that just proves that it's all no like and trust yeah. and that's what i came up with the conclusion and this person showed that they're not stuffy at all
1: exactly yeah it was good so andre once again thanks for uh, making the acquaintance and hopefully you'll be uh, one of our listeners here on the car guys report and you know, just like we made Andre a listener, hopefully he'll tell a friend, too, about the Car Guys Report. It's available online at radiomisfits.com. You can follow us at Car Guys Podcast on Twitter. And of course, our email uh, inbox is open 24-7. We'd love to get your comments, your complaints, your suggestions, your kudos, and things like that at Report at com. Lou, we've talked a little bit on the program previously about uh, the car brand Hyundai. They always seem to be doing uh, some interesting and unique things, and this one is... I don't know. It's a little bit over the top, I think. Um, it kind of goes along to me, and we haven't even talked about this topic. I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but it kind of is, to me, the similar to the fake engine sounds that some of the car makers are piping into your interior where you know cars are so well-insulated these days and you have a performance engine under the hood, but you don't necessarily hear it, so they'll actually pipe in like added or fake sounds to make it sound better. Hyundai, in the 2020 Sonata, is now um, going to have nature sounds available through the um, audio system in the car. It's part of the optional navigation system. It's going to have built-in settings for sounds like lively forest open air cafe and calm sea waves as you drive along so i just i I just think it's hilarious because like what what happens if you're driving along and you hear like a is that a grizzly bear in the back seat is that the forest the lively forest sounds that you're talking about Uh, it says the sounds are intended to be calming helping to the driver to unwind on the way home regardless of traffic snarls but it but the writer of this uh blurb here says there's not much chance of falling asleep during lively forest. It's replete with what sounds like parrot screams in a rainforest. <laughs> Listening to it, driving through the Arizona desert was odd, but nowhere near as odd as the crunching footsteps in Snowy Village, which also includes a rather disconcerting child's giggle that seems to emanate
2: from the back seat. That's creepy. <laughs> um, I'm trying to just... Momentarily, put myself in the driver's seat of this car, close my eyes for a minute. And I, mean, I can I can understand, understand the sound. parrot
1: screams, you know, the woo,
2: yeah, whoo,
1: type thing, so, but the crunching footsteps would freak me out.
2: So. If I can have that, like, when I'm with the wife or something late at night, you know, that would be great. She'd want to cuddle up or something. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think creatively here. Um, Lou, I'm scared. Exactly. <laughs> oh, really? Why? I don't, don't you hear that yeah. crunching? Yeah. Well, no, what crunching? <laughs> yeah. I would be uh, I would be stupidly optimistic with some of these toys. Um You know, first of all, I'd like to give him a shout-out for that because I think that that's... You you don't think of driving calm in a car, I mean, especially with more and more road rage. And uh, my 15-year-old now has got his driver's permit, and uh, even just driving with him in the passenger seat, and he's a very cautious driver to begin with. But, uh, you know, I'll hear him, you know, in a a 10-mile ride, you know, why did that idiot pull out in front of me? You know, already it's kind of starting to... Get him into that um, aggressive, aggressive mode. NASCAR, yeah. you know, I'm going to be on somebody's bumper mo- mentality. Yeah. So, um, you know, what the, good for Hyundai for coming up with something different. I mean, there's no question it's different. I mean, we're talking about it. I, I didn't hear about it. So that's, And
1: it's in the Sonata, too, which is just like their mid-level car. It's yeah. not in the Genesis or any of the real high up graded sedans
2: Yeah, that's an interesting point too right because you'd think if they put it in that then they're trying to make it seem like it's something exactly special. The yeah fact that they're not trying to make it seem special and just trying to make it seem like we're just trying to keep people cool and i don't know how many total um
1: sound different sound uh whatever you want to call them are scenarios but in the picture here the ones that we already mentioned i can see lively forest calm sea waves there's one called rainy day uh, open air cafe, which probably like a lot of street sounds, I would think. There's one called Warm Fireplace. So that probably has some crackling mm-hmm. uh, logs. And then there's one, like the guy said. Uh snowy village with the disconcerting child's giggle that seems to emanate from the back seat so uh, interesting it just maybe a reason to go and test drive a Hyundai uh, at your local dealer to test out the uh, live uh, or the uh, recorded sounds for the uh, calming effect of your uh, drive home after a stressful day at work I don't know somehow that might seem like it could get you a little more stressed out if you hear crunching (laughs) footsteps following you home is that the boss following me does he really want to see what I do what the heck but, um, you know, another thing, too, and, and I don't want to make sure that people understand that, you know, we are all about driving our cars on our own here at the Car Guys Report. We talk a lot about electric vehicles just because it's unavoidable. And slowly we've talked here and there about self-driving cars, too. This was an opinion piece I came across in the Wall Street Journal by uh, one of their editors uh, by the name of Andy Kessler. And he's kind of a—I wouldn't really say he's a loose cannon, but he just kind of— starts talking about stuff sometimes and and people tend to agree or disagree with him. But he was just talking about some of the different um, uh, progress that is being made in the self-driving world these days. And of course, uh, Waymo is one of the uh, leaders. It's a uh, Google or Alphabet. Alphabet is the parent company of Google and Waymo is one of the companies under the How alphabet umbrella waymo?
2: waymo w-a-y-m-o like it sounds waymo so if your self-driving car doesn't self-drive you it, call it WAMO.
1: WAMO, exactly <laughs> and that's some of the stuff he talks about here uh whammo is, or waymo there you go is testing self-driving uh, chrysler pacificas uh which are minivans uh sitting atop on top is a giant one thousand foot lidar which is uh some kind of like it's is LIDAR light instead of radar? Like, it's not radio waves, but it's light waves or something. I'm not sure what, what LIDAR stands A thousand stands foot. Right. Range.
2: Oh, a thousand a range. foot. Range, yeah. Right. No, it's not a
1: thousand. <laughs> that'd, that'd be an awfully large minivan, yeah. which is basically a radar, there we go, that uses laser light. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, laser light instead of microwaves. It costs more than the minivan itself. Plus, it has image sensors to see color, audio sensors to hear emergency vehicles, And other sensors to see through rain, snow, fog, and dust. And attached to the front and back are six short-range LIDARs to find curbs and pedestrians. But then Kessler goes on to say, if a pedestrian even flinches an arm into a crosswalk, the car stops. Waymos do get confused by lane-splitting motorcycles, especially when one approaches rapidly from the rear, and lane-splitting is legal in California if you're a motorcyclist. The sensor can't figure out whether it's a bike, person, or animal. Waymos' next version will use Jaguar's I-Pace electric car. And that just kind of brings up some of the... the you know uh you know weak spots i guess of of this technology because they can't cognitively you know the the computers at this point can't reason things out like we do then they can't say they just see something moving so they think it could be anything so they you know put on a full stop or whatever um i don't know where this is all going to go i'm not a fan of of this whole um self-driving thing i've talked to some people that think it's great they think hey oh, i just want to get into my car and start reading the news while i'm on my way to work i don't have to think about anything as a parent you lou with a son that's going to be driving or is driving starting to drive at least with you in the car you know would you feel better with them in a self-driving car or would you feel better with them driving their own car
2: well, obviously, the question becomes amount of control, right? Yeah. How much control do you want to give away and how much control do you feel you want to keep? Um, it, answering your question, uh, no, I don't feel comfortable at this point. I don't think – and I'm as you're talking about, one of the things that you talked about in there, you said when it hears any type of a siren, and I was just thinking – on the way here, I was listening to some music, and there was actually like a siren in the think, music. In the yeah. music, you know. I and um, how would the car be able to distinguish that? I don't know if we would so, hear it
1: because it's on the inside versus the outside. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Well, the way I'm playing it, probably they'd be hearing it on the outside yeah. as well as the <laughs> inside. But um, you know, I I just uh, um, I feel a little more comfortable driving myself, so. I'm not comfortable enough. I, you know, I, I have driven some cars that, that stay in the lane because of it. And
1: Well, one uh, interesting thing he brings up here, and this is one, th- one thing I've been in uh, arguing with people about, is the fact that it says Waymo's actually stick to the speed limit. Which obviously they do self-driving cars will not speed, so what happens with your your municipal revenue of speeding tickets and traffic violations and drunk driving if everyone would be in a self-driving car? That all goes away, and that's something that you have really haven't heard about in the in the media at this point is if this thing ever gets deployed to the scale that they're saying it will at some point in the future, how are you going to fund what are you going to do to replace those? sources of revenue and undeniably they are sources of revenue for a lot of municipalities and then also too how do you how do you figure out the insurance do you do you figure out is it the software developer is it the car manufacturer is it the person that owns the car and wasn't keeping their sensors clean on the outside and then that's the other thing too is like how often do you have to do maintenance on these things as far as keeping sensors clean because we all know how even in the Midwest here on a on a day when the snow starts to melt and you drive down the street and you get in in you know matter of a block or two you can always have that thin film of that that gray salty stuff on your windshield and you're going through your, your whole gallon of washer fluid on the way to work what's it going to be like when you have you know sensors all around your car and you have a lidar on top and there's just so many. I think what I'm getting at is there's just too many unanswered questions here at this point. I think we're way, way away, ways away from fully self-driving automobiles.
2: Until we get actual racetracks where your car's in a slot, back like we well, had back you, in the 60s and the yeah, 70s. Yeah, yeah, slot car. And we can, we can use our controller with the little boost button on it.
1: Because there are the there are the levels of automation. There's level three, counts as self-driving, but the driver needs to take over in some circumstances. Level four is fully autonomous, no driver necessary, but it won't work in extreme conditions like fog, dust, snow, or heavy rain. Gee, that never happens. Like weather. Yeah, exactly. And the dream level five works under all conditions. Teslas are now essentially level three. Waymo and Fairweather Phoenix hopes for level four, but the testing obviously continues. Uh, as a summary, Kessler just says. Level Level five autonomous cars will sneak up on us over a decade rather than with the flip of a switch, which is probably right. But I just think there's too many variables right now to really I think a self-driving car. I think the best application of a self-driving car is something like in a city where you have a taxi and and this automated pod pulls up and you get in and you somehow enter your destination and it just takes you there automatically. I think that was a great way to, to do an automated driving. But as far as just you and me getting into something to take us somewhere, I don't I, I just don't buy into that. Yeah. And you're just like, hmm, hmm whatever.
2: No, <laughs> I, I I'm thinking just You know, you've got to navigate stoplights and things like this. Well,
1: there's so many things. Yeah, I mean, that's just it. So the jury's still out, and we will talk about the topic every now and then here on the Car Guys Report, but just kind of want to keep that in the background and keep, keep people updated on it.
2: Let's hope we keep it way in the background. Yeah, exactly. So...
1: Uh, We're at the point in the program where we uh, like to talk about an interesting car that is for sale or just sold, uh, either on uh, the Internet, maybe through Hemmings.com. Bring a trailer, one of our favorite auction sites online. And, Lou, this one is one that will definitely warm the cockles of your heart, I'm sure, because I know you like these cars. And who doesn't like a 1952 Hudson Hornet Twin H? Nice. Beautiful, beautiful car. Four-door sedan, red and white two-tone. It's got kind of white coves and a white top, and the rest of the body is red. Uh, I wrote down it as it being a fairly honest car. It was on Bring a Trailer, had 75,000 miles shown on the odometer. Of course, they always say true mileage unknown. Had the 308 cubic inch inline six with the twin H-Power carburetors. And if you've never seen the twin H-Power under the hood, that's a delight to hold. Just to behold when you open the, the hood yeah. of the horn and you see those twin H-Carburetors are just so cool.
2: Big orange or big red. Big, uh, yeah. Just awesome. triangular.
1: Yeah, I think they're triangular, if I recall. Or maybe they're round. I can't remember. But four-speed hydromatic transmission. This car sold on Bring a Trailer for... Only $13,000. So I thought that was a well-bought car. Uh, I don't know that much about Hudson's. I know they were leaders in, in early days of NASCAR and great stock cars, and they had great handling because they had the drop-down, uh, lower center of gravity the way the car was designed. And
2: um, Now, you said it was a four-door, though, right? Yeah,
1: four-door. So that, that, that seems to me to be the right price.
2: I think it's a good price. I just
1: said it's well-bought. I I would have thought it would have sold a little higher, actually, because they're rare cars. You just don't see Hudson's every day of the the year, even at a car show. If that
2: was a two-door, you would have doubled that price or maybe even tripled the price. But you
1: just don't see Hudson's. I I mean, I, I probably can count on one hand. I went to 50 car shows last year. I can probably count on one hand the number of Hudson's I saw at 50 different car shows so
2: yeah you don't see them off you
1: don't you don't see them off and it's kind of a shame because they're they're neat cars they really are so this was on um bring a trailer uh, as we always uh say if you haven't been to bring a trailer before you can uh, go to bringatrailer.com they always have over 200 auctions at any given time and some really neat stuff uh on there and it's one of the sources of the cars that we find and talk about here on the car guys report informed automotive and if you want to contact us at any time, make sure that you can email us at uh, carguysreport at com. If you like the Car Guys Report, be sure to check out some of the other programs too. Yes, there are other programs on the Radio Misfits podcast network like the program Minutia Men. Rick Kempfer and Dave Stern are consumers of well, that old time-worn term called worthless information. And every week they share their take on what they've learned in their podcast, Minutia Men. It's an Opie show. You can go to opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits and you'll find shows like Minutia Men. And also you'll find us. That is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable, thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Louie teased this um, segment in the prior episode and wanted to talk a little bit about select 2019 low volume cars by sales volume this was a list that road and track came up with and it's select because it's not obviously every low volume car out there but i've always been fascinated for whatever reason with production figures on cars because i just think it's really neat when you either own a car that is low low volume production or for some reason you have maybe a model that was only available for you know a year or even less and you know you find out that only 25 of them sold and you've got one of them or something like that it's pretty neat the lowest volume car that i've owned so far was my uh, bentley continental r Uh, bentley made only a hundred of those a year for about a 12-year run so that pretty much i think that'll probably be the lowest volume car i've ever owned because it's 100 a year for worldwide consumption is very low, um, and I think I've asked you this before, Lou.
2: Production figures on your on your uh, Viper, you have a two thousand yeah, you five uh, two thousand six six. They they usually make about three thousand a year. Okay, so it's it is a hand built American made car. Yeah. Now defining hand built means you know they they bring the engine over on a. It's crane, not rolling
1: but, down a production line. It's, it just sits on the floor, and you've got like a, a team people that are, puts it together. As
2: well as there are some some parts are glued and things like that to, to the frame and things. But um, yeah, no, it's uh, you know to me it's the American um, it's the American Rolls Royce, hand built, American quality, and um, people very proud of what they put together. One thing
1: that they didn't say here is if w- if this was just U.S. volume, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. It, the, the volumes that I the quantity sold I'm going to say here were uh, for U.S. sales only. I don't think it was worldwide because a lot of these cars are obviously sold worldwide, but they're very interesting in some of the numbers. Uh, the L- Lexus LC500, that's the new uh, Lexus uh, sports car that they came out with a couple of years ago. Gorgeous car, just an absolutely gorgeous car. Actually, I've got... My eye on one of those maybe in about four years once they depreciate a little bit because it's about a hundred thousand dollar car now. I've seen them as low as about 55,000, I think, on the used market. Sold 1,219 of those here in the States. The uh, Acura NSX, which mm. um, we've talked about before on the program, and Scott Crane, who was recently on the program here, uh, recently traded his NSX for a McLaren, but the uh, super low production, 238 sold. Mm. Which is very, you know, that's why you just don't see too many of those. The Nissan GTR, a car that's been around, uh, nicknamed Godzilla, been around for uh, over ten years now. Three hundred and thirty-one sales on the GTR. Uh, the Mercedes-Benz LS Roadster, which is an enduring car, it's been around for a long, long time. Uh, still relatively exclusive. Sixteen hundred and ninety sales on that car and that's a that's a classic car you do see a a fair amount of them but 1690 i think anything 3000 and less is obviously going to be uh you know considered fairly rare uh and you're not going to see them every day on the road now this one surprised me lou the porsche boxster slash cayman 718 that's the newer one with the four-cylinder turbo Hmm. surprising they only sold 3880 of those down 26 percent over 2018, and we were talking about production figures on Porsches uh, a couple of shows ago, and yeah, that surprises me that the Boxster Cayman was is only selling less than four thousand a year. The Audi R8, five hundred and seventy four sold. The Alpha Four C. Now that's a car that I don't see how they can continue to support that here in the States, 144 sold here in the States, which is just nothing. It's a cool car, though, and that's another one, too. I'll go out on a limb here and say that that's a hell of a buy on the used market because the last time I checked, they were going for maybe about 40,000 used, maybe a little less, and if you wait maybe a year or two more, I'm sure they're going to go down a little bit more. I test drove one of those about four years ago when they first came out, and it's like a giant go-kart. It's got the carbon fiber tub chassis. It's a, it's a a lot of technology on that car. Just the fact that it's basically got a carbon fiber chassis on it is just unbelievable. 144 sold. It's a pretty small car. I it's mean, a very small car. It's total just a
2: strict two-seater. you got the mid-engine, the engine right behind you. It R- reminds me of, uh, and I'm just curious about some of these numbers, Like it reminds me of a Lotus. Yeah, it is very much so, yeah. 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 Uh, the but, Hunt. Little prettier than a Lotus. It is. It's a great. Head.
1: It's a great looking car. Like I said, um, that would be one I'd almost be interested in if I could get one cheap enough. But I think I'd prefer the LS uh, Lexus LC 500, the Hyundai Veloster N. N is their new Hyundai's new performance uh, nomenclature. Two thousand two hundred and twelve. Uh, so maybe people are not quite ready for Korean factory performance options yet in the Veloster N. The Subaru BRZ slash Toyota 86. That's the uh, l- cute little um, two-door sports coupe that uh, Subaru Toyota build. Uh, actually, Subaru, It's I don't know if Subaru actually builds them because it's got the flat four engine in it, um, but it's marketed. They renamed it, too, because it used to be, Not called the Toyota 86, but it's called the Toyota 86 now and the Subaru BRZ. Subaru sold 2,334 copies, and Toyota sold about thirty three hundred and ninety eight so about a thousand more that's a neat car if you've never looked at them never priced them out uh you can get them for about 25 26 27 ish and it's a neat little car very tidy uh nice little performance uh, car kind of in the vein of a mazda miata but it's a hard top uh the mazda miata mx5 sold 7753 the fiat 124 spider which is the uh Stablemate to the Mazda Miata. We call it the Fiat. And it surprised me that they moved twenty six hundred and forty four of those because I have not seen too many of those on the road. And every time no. I every time I bring my Fiat P a lot into the dealer to get the cooling system fixed, uh, I see a bunch of
2: one twenty fours that just haven't moved. <laughs> and that's surprising because uh, they're a pretty good looking car I think it's so a good
1: looking car. It's got the turbo engine in it and Is um, it the
2: price? What do they go for? It's, yeah they're not
1: cheap. Low okay. thirties? Low to mid-30s. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah, Uh, VW Golf R 4223. The Nissan 370Z, which they're getting ready to finally do an update on because it hasn't been updated for quite a long time, 2384. So that's a lot lower than I thought it would be. The Audi TT recently uh, axed uh, the demise of that uh, car. It's been discontinued. But in 2019, they moved 1,324 copies of that. And two more to go on the list, Lou. The Toyota Land Cruiser, a stalwart in the Toyota lineup, costs about $85,000, but they sold 3,536 of those. So that's why they keep building it, because they're making a lot of money on each one they sell. Mm. And then the Lincoln Continental, the sedan, it's the only sedan on our list. They sold 6,586 of those. And the only thing that really annoyed me about... uh, uh, the Lincoln Continental. Um, two things that annoy, but annoy me about that car. I think it only comes with a six-speed automatic, and it should have like an eight or nine-speed in it. And when they introduced the limited edition uh, model with the coach doors on it, basically a modern version of suicide doors, but they still had a B-pillar. And I'm like, you're making a car with suicide doors and you're, you're leaving a B pillar in there. it just didn't look right because you're, you're ruining it then because a real suicide door car has a B pillar that only goes up you know halfway if that it doesn't have a, one going all the way to the roof and that's what this thing had on it so I thought they were mm-hmm. kind of cheating when they were thinking like hey we're making the, the coach door Lincoln Continental and it's really cool and they only made like a hundred of them I think so those sold out pretty quickly but I'm not dissing your Lincoln Lou don't worry you got no, that MKC. I'm just, I'm
2: just thinking to myself um, the first thing that came to mind was just the uh, safety standards of that,
1: that could be part of it, but uh, then how do you get around with convertibles then these days?
2: Well, well, going back to to the Lincoln for a second, so that safety brace is what I'll call it, that's in there. you know that's obviously going to put some rigidity between the body and the roof, but um,
1: but on my mercedes E class coupe, that is a true hard top, and there's no B pillar, and the roof is glass. And you have to believe that the A-pillar rail that goes from the mm-hmm. A-pillar all the way to the C-pillar and back, I mean, that's what's supporting the roof. And that's got to be one heck of a strong piece of metal because there's no B-pillar and there's not, and there's a cross-section between the two glass panels that runs um, long, uh, laterally between both sides. But there's still not as much... Mm. Support there, and I'm sure it's engineered fine. I'm sure it's super strong, but that kind of just counters your point of saying you think that they would have they put the B pillars in there for support. Yeah, so. I just, you know, I just, I'm a hard top coupe guy, and I just love that look. And I just think it would have looked a lot better if yeah. when they introduced that if they got rid of it the. Absolutely,
2: uh, would have looked better without the yeah. pillar in there.
1: And oh, what do you know? Hey, eh? we've got that B pillar that we ordered for that uh, car that we've gotten back. We'll take a break and we'll be back in just a minute.
2: This week on Ann Friends, we're still stuck in quarantine, and we're going to be talking about some hilarious stuff that we have found across this, the world that is stuck inside. Like, I talk about uh, goats that you can
0: hire out to spend some time in your Zoom calls with you. And online dating. How was it before? How is it now? How will it be in the future?
2: And I give a look into
0: our possible savior, Tom Hanks, with this coronavirus. Possible savior that is
2: all that and more on the new episode of and friends an
4: opi show on the radio misfits podcast network great talk radio isn't dead it just moved to a better place radio misfits.com this is minutia Man with rick and dave
0: on this week's minutia Man with rick and dave hey i got your tip line right here a dry Oktoberfest? jack buck's million dollar turn on and turn down my brush with the 1990s Chicago Bulls. And our celebrity interview with Lauren Gold from The. the Hoo. Hoo. All that and unlimited tangents on this week's <laughs> Minutia Men. The
4: Tony Lasano podcast and OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. RadioMisfits.com.
1: And we're back here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Lou, we talk about Ferraris uh, here and there on the program, and this is one Ferrari, a new model that uh, kind of um, flew under the radar, so to speak. I haven't read that much about it in car magazines, and they're they're promoting this thing as a Ferrari for non-Ferrari drivers. And you're like, wait, what? Wait, come again? <laughs> it's just, if you're going to buy a Ferrari... You want to be a Ferrari You want to be a Ferrari guy. Exactly. It's called the Ferrari Roma. It's a beautiful looking car. It's the fifth new model that was launched by Ferrari in um, 2019, v- towards very at the end of the, the year, actually. Kind of snuck under the radar. And they're going to be rolling out, supposedly Ferrari's going to be roll out, rolling out 15 new models by 2022 under what they call an ambitious model overhaul this car the ferrari roma was unveiled in italy and it's for people quote it's for people who would like to drive a sports car or ferrari but are a little bit afraid of ferrari and sports cars (laughs) so it's just like okay join our brand but uh well you're kind of afraid to join our brand it's a little funny. You still got a pony up 220,000 dollars, first deliveries in 20, uh, this, this summer of 2020. It's got a uh, 620 horsepower V8, and it's just a, it's a beautiful looking car. It's just a gorgeous little it's, it's fairly small. It's not as big as some of the it's not as big as some of the uh, Ferraris that we've seen lately. Um, I almost would want to call it just like a mid-size coupe. It's a two plus two, I believe, but that back seat, obviously, in most two plus twos, is, is pretty worthless anyway. But I mean, two twenty is a pretty good price for a Ferrari, brand new, entry level. Looks, I'm
2: giving you the looks. It looks like a California. I think so it looks a little
1: sleeker than that, it, though.
2: It, it, it's the 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 nose is not as long, and the back end almost has a little Aston Martin look to it. Um, it's definitely a a curvy curvy car. I mean, there's no doubt about that. When I look at it, and if I walked into a Ferrari dealer, I wouldn't think, "Gee, I'm going to the Ferrari dealer buying this because I don't want a Ferrari." <laughs> exactly. So, so this, this this is not in your head what you expect a non Ferrari Ferrari driver, fearful Ferrari driver, to buy. This looks like a car that looks like a Ferrari. That's I mean, they're the bringing
1: line. out the Ferrari SUV, and that could be the car that. When are they doing that? That's coming out in uh, like 2020, 2021, uh, and again, it's like that would be the excuse me the non Ferrari. Car that's for, for the
2: non-Ferrari car, yeah. yeah. yeah Although e- it's even still a Ferrari, reaction.
1: yeah. Uh, they said Ferrari produced about ten thousand cars this year too, total, which is a lot. So it's the Lincoln, highest
2: ever. When Rolls Royce came out with their SUV, I'm like, big deal, because you know you're stodgy Rolls Royce, you're driving slow, you're looking good, no big deal. Bentley comes out with their SUV, no big deal. All right, big, you know, you made a fat one, okay big big deal but when you got lamborghini and ferrari and porsche, porsche for that yep. man when they came out with the suv i'm just like oh we're getting away from our roots and i know you have one mark's got a got a cayman right cayenne cayenne thank yeah. you so uh and i like it you know um but uh, it does take a little getting used to and i agree with you 100 percent. if you're gonna buy a cayenne right that's yeah. what you call it, then and, and adding to this, you have a 911. Which one would you rather drive? Oh, the 911. It's sure. not even yeah. close, yeah. right? That's a Porsche. So the fact that if you've got an Uris. Yeah. Which I still think is You're the, not driving a, uh, uh, an Avant or um, a. Uh, Aventador. Uh, Aventador. Or a Or a Con. Or a Con. Uh, yeah. Right. So. You know, it's the same same mentality here. This, this Ferrari that Mark just showed me looks like a Ferrari, but when they finally pull out this SUV, which...
1: Well, it's funny. It says, with a less flashy <sighs> customer in mind, Ferrari unveiled the Roma in blue-gray, titanium-gray, and white versions rather than the typical Ferrari red. Uh, Ferraris so, gonna have a red
2: car too, so we'll uh, see. I don't know. It, it looks like a Ferrari, but it's pretty good.
1: But I have got, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but I have gone on record saying I think the, the Lamborghini Urus SUV is just the baddest ass SUV around. <laughs> they're just so cool, and I've seen a couple on the road, and they're just they're unbelievable. The the, the reviews and the testing they've they've gone through on that thing, it's just it catches your attention. it's it's an amazing vehicle. It really is. Thanks so much for listening to the Car Guys Report. When you listen to us, make sure to rate us as well. We've got a couple of great uh, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, and would certainly appreciate a few more. You can catch our show, the uh, Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. So we're pretty much everywhere, and you can listen to us on whatever device that you have, whether it's a laptop, a desktop, a smartphone. Uh, your iPod, a tablet, whatever you've got, we're going to be there. And it's very easy to find us. Just search for Radio Misfits. And also make sure you subscribe to us as well because then you'll get an automatic push notification whenever there's new content. And just remember, too, that whenever you're listening to a podcast courtesy of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, there's no cost involved. It's totally free. And it's listening on your own terms. You can fast forward. You can rewind. You can replay. You can go back and re-listen to other episodes. You can hear Lou make fun of me and me make fun of Lou and all kinds of stuff that we do here on the Car Guys Report. That's what podcasting is all about. Radiomisfits.com is the place to find us. And we are the Car Guys Report's informed automotive. Mark Vernon along with Lou Costable. We're at the point in the program where Lou will... uh, Talk a little bit about his uh, popular YouTube channel called My Car Story with Lou, and he also uh, we also play the car My Car Story guessing game, where Lou will give me three cars that have appeared on his uh, channel, and I have to try to guess which one had the most views, and I failed miserably last episode. I totally messed everything up, so uh, he kind of threw me for a loop there. So what do, you got, uh, what do you got to throw me for a loop this time? So
2: let me, let me start by saying someone could video the same three cars and have completely different results. So we're just talking about My Car Story with Lou, YouTube channel, and I'm gonna go with the big three this time. Okay. And I'll let you know that these are gonna be some classic cars of the big three. Okay. And I'm going to add that one of them clearly blew out all the Okay, others. that's what
1: you did last time, too. You were saying one clearly blew out the other one, and I I didn't get it at all. So,
2: so let me start with the oldest going to the newest. So I'm going to pick three cars, and um, these are cars that have been on the channel for a little while, and then basically they've been, they're all next to each other, so they're within the same week okay. that I put them on, uh, just so that people outside... Can guess. So here we go. 1962, Chevrolet, Bel Air, bubble top, mm. in white with a 409 okay. engine sound. Number two, 69 Dodge Daytona Survivor NASCAR with the k k Insurance Hemi Sound, which was the national grand champion that year. Okay. And lastly... From Ford, without any further ado, <laughs> the 1969 Ford Boss 429, the Boss 9, and Raven Black Award winner. So I'll go through them again. 62, Chevrolet, Bel Air, bubble top in white with the almighty 409 engine, the muscle car before it was muscle cars, <laughs> A Dodge Daytona, NASCAR's best Dodge ever. The K and K actual insurance car with the Hemi Engine sounds. What is the K and K were they a K&, major K&K sponsor? K was like STP okay. or or they were you know they were a, a sponsor, okay. yes, to answer your question. Orange Car White Tail. Uh, and in nineteen sixty six Ford Boss four twenty nine in Raven Black award winner
1: okay i would go with the um with the uh the dodge first okay and then the uh boss four oh nine uh the boss mustang and then the uh bel air 409
2: well we didn't do as well as we <laughs> well i'm, I'm out of
1: tune here I'm, I'm i'm not firing on all cylinders lately and, and
2: again that i i say this but remember it, it's totally random. It's totally subjective. I don't have any idea. I, you know, I try to bring the best cars I can find to the channel, obviously, but without even coming close, the Bel Air had eighteen thousand really? eight or eighteen thousand six hundred and eighty four views. I thought
1: that would be number three, just because it's not a flashy color. It's a cool car, but it's well, you
2: did get number two right. The Boss came in with four hundred or excuse me, four thousand nine hundred eighty six. Okay. And at the time, and it's moved up since, the K&K Dodge Survivor NASCAR from 69 that used to run alongside Richard Petty's number 43 and was the national champion that year had 1,505 views. See, that
1: that amazes me because
2: the provenance on that car is yeah, unbelievable. It's it's, it's a legend. Well, wow. All three of yeah, them Yeah, they're are all legends. great. Yeah, but... They're all three legends. And uh, But yeah, why wow. the, the Bel Air just, I'll say, took off... Um, it is unbelievable. I mean, I actually had the uh, uh, the K and K Dodge. I mean, rolled past us. Yeah, we, we had it roll past you. It's on the video. We've got a, a a pretty girl jump out of it who was driving it. I mean, you know, I I did everything I possibly <laughs> yeah. could to get as many <laughs> views as possible. Wow. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was a pretty cool car from the from the Tim. Well, let me give a shout out to Tim Wellborn at the Wellborn Museum, and just to have a car like that he tells his story about he was on he was basically on the board of directors of some you know nascar blah 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 and they were like well tim we felt your museum probably should have this wow so he drives that car down in alabama on the street once in a while wow and I said, so, and the police do what? He goes, well, well, Lou, you know, they kind of know me down there. Yeah. So yeah. when they see the K&K insurance car, they kind of clear the road for me. I'm like, that is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I got to go to Alabama yeah. and drive my NASCAR.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, that's that. that I was again, doing my Tim Wellborn impersonation. Yeah. <laughs> so you threw
2: me for a loop yet again. You know, and that's that's the interesting thing about my car story is you never know what's going to take off, and you don't. There's cars that I say, oh my gosh, this is going to. Last week, I threw an AMC sixty nine AMX, um, black top, black hood, and a really interesting. Uh, I don't. I don't want to call it lime, but probably lime green would be the right with, okay. with side pipes and a three ninety. Yeah, and it just didn't go as far as I thought it was going to go, um, but obviously unique. Not, oh, those n- are not going to see many AMXs
1: of them. are awesome. Yeah, and with those side cool. pipes and yeah, yeah.
2: The, and the startup and the rumble and it was just it was all there, and it just didn't get as many blues huh. as uh, I threw a fifty seven. Now this isn't a bad car. I threw a fifty seven Pontiac. Bonneville fuel injected um, convertible up against it that week, and that that just you know blew everything away. I also threw as I'm thinking about it, I threw a car similar to the bubble top. Um, You know the 409 bubble tops were you know the drag cars. Well, the next year they came out with the Mac Max wedge, the Plymouth did, Mm -hmm. and a Savoy, and this one was still on the original i shouldn't say original but on the jc penny slicks wow yeah and, and uh, you could see the cracks in them and we actually took you could a actually go
1: to jc penny and and buy a yeah, racing slick and, and or they a drag were, slick they're racing slick and you, wow. and
2: you drilled you you know you you put uh bolts into your rim and to keep them on so yeah. you could stop the the stop the bead from spinning mm-hmm. when you spun on it and uh, these these tires had the cracks in it and uh of course, Mark, we did the exact legal speed limit right up to it. <laughs> Just like a self-driving car. Yeah, like a self-driving car. <laughs> we we got on a, a country road and we, well, <laughs> watch the video. You'll see. We get to the speed limit.
1: <laughs> cool. And uh, like I said, uh, every uh, episode we always do the My Car Story guessing game. And if you're not familiar with Lou's YouTube channel, check it out. It's called My Car Story with Lou. And it's on YouTube, over 71,000 subscribers and 1,500 uh, very awesome. Awesome car videos that you can check out on my car story with Lou coming up on the next episode of the car guys report uh, informed automotive. It's unreliable classics that still warm the cockles of our hearts. We'll uh, talk about some of those as well as many more fun and interesting things. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride today. I'm Mark Vernon, along with Lou Constable. Special thanks to executive producer. Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opi is hippo, spelled backwards, O-P-P-I-H, shows.com. It's distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place, and that would be radiomisfits.com.
4: This Opi podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19.
2: The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts including opishows.com. Thank you.
0: This has been a presentation of Opie Productions.
3: Tony, can you shut up?
0: On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, we talk about a little something called Project Restart, which is what Prof-
3: Yeah, professional
2: teams in the Premier League are coming back individually training. We'll see what happens.
0: All right, if you want to find free kicks, go to com or wherever you find
4: podcasts, search for Radio Misfits previously on
3: Lasano and Friends. Dick Peyandi, D- DJ WLS FM. Chris,
2: we're going to do a game uh, that you put together here. Do you want to explain the rules of this uh game?
0: Sure. Uh basically, There are going to be four stories here, and three of them are real, one of them is not. So So these are stories about about Dick Biondi, but one of them is false. One
2: of them is not true. And we have to guess which one is false. Okay. Okay. Okay,
4: here's the first story. Cher was once too busy to donate her time and voice to a charity campaign that Biondi was doing, as he often does on the air. Approached by Dick to contribute to a good cause, she flat out refused. All right, that's one story. Okay. Number two, American Pie. Don McLean was also approached by Dick for an on-air charity fundraiser that Dick was doing, but said he couldn't participate because he didn't want to feel exploited. All right, that's another story. Number three. Dick once broke up a fight between Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett, and in the process, got his nose broken. Once the two crooners saw what their fisticuffs had done, they immediately stopped out of respect for Dick and paid for his medical bill. Another story. And number four. Dick accidentally invented stage diving when he was the first DJ to take Elvis Presley north. He had the King of Rock and Roll sign a shirt that Dick put on as he introduced the king from a stage and said that whoever in the crowd was able to get the shirt off his back could keep it. When he dove into the crowd, the crazed women in the audience tore the shirt and Dick to shreds. Alright, so four stories. Of Bruce, do you want to take a guess? Which one's a false one? I think the Frank
2: Sinatra Tony Bennett story is not all right. True. All right, yeah.
1: Jimmy. I'm going to say the share
3: one.
2: All right, Dick. Do you want to vote on one? Which one do you think is not real? <laughs>
3: uh, the Frank Sinatra. Uh, Frank yeah, Sinatra. Tony. Totally right. However, that's I've got to mention this. Yes. Go ahead. I did almost come to fisticuffs with Tony Bennett at the living room <laughs> on uh, Rush Street. This <laughs> is uh, what it's happened. A, it's a true story. I was there with Lester Rose from A Cuff Rose, who was with Tony promoting. We were having dinner and Tony started asking me, how come you won't play my records? How come you guys don't? And I just said, well, why don't you come to the radio station and ask? You guys are nothing but a bunch of payola. It's all the reason you play the music. And uh, you're, you're, all that music play is nothing but crap. And he started on and I got up and he got up and we started reaching across, unless the rose came in between us and said, That's enough. <laughs>
4: Get more Lesano and friends now on lasano.com. Coming up
1: on the next episode of the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, we talk about those cars you may hate but still love. Quirky Euro exotics, anybody? Plus, cars for real cheapskates. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Hostable for these stories and more on The Car Guys Report, a Tony Lozano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.